everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I am the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello. We are <laughs> on FaceTime, and it is mm-hmm. clear as a whistle. I know. Well, both of us have sort of like decamped, so... Now we are in the land of really stellar Wi-Fi, so we can be on FaceTime again. Yes, I am parts unknown. I'm not going to divulge my, not going to divulge my location, but I okay. will say that it is calmer, and it is mm-hmm. definitely it's, it's 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 a little bit nicer than where I was staying. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's very positive. Um. Yeah, so a lot going on in the world, but yes. sort of like we said last week, there's a lot of important work to be done, a lot of important things to read and pay attention to, and big things to think about and feel, and that's all important work that everybody should be doing, for sure, but I think for an hour or so, we'll just take a breather from that, talk about romance, talk about something that we really love that brings us a lot of joy, so you can recharge and then go back out there and continue doing the the work that's really important right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So what what did we read this week, Erin? This week we read Hearts on Hold by Cherish Reed, um, which is a librarian romance. And actually, this was recommended to us twice in basically the same few days. So that's what made me think, I got to see what's happening here. So our first wreck came from andrea and she said since you and clayton explicitly asked for another male librarian romance I, were we very explicit about it we were we, <laughs> it's weird when you're doing a romance podcast and someone says that you asked for something explicitly mm-hmm. it makes it seem naughtier than it actually is i think we were just like can we get another librarian romance but because well, i think how much we love uh Gabe, Gabe from Taking the Heat, Victoria Dolls Taking the Heat. That had to have been what we were talking about. I honestly don't have a memory of it. Oh, this was from the episode of the Bromance Book Club. Now and we were also probably calling him Conolingus Gabe, so it was explicit. <laughs> so she was correct in both ways. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she goes on to say, I recommend Hearts on Hold by Cherish Reed an overworked, slightly uptight professor, and a laid-back, sexy librarian. It's delicious. There are library sexy times, so some readers thought that was inappropriate, or he shouldn't have looked up her overdue books. That's, we'll get to that. But not me. (laughs) That's what Andrea says, not me. As always, thank you for you and Clayton's great work on the podcast. It was a highlight before COVID, so now it's a much-needed break during the week. Hoping you continue to find comfort and solace where you can. Thank you, Andrea. Same to you, obviously. And then we also got an email from Carol that said, Here's an amazing hot guy librarian romance, Hearts on Hold by Cherish Reed. I think you'll love it. So highly recommended. Multiple recs. And Carol, her emails I always really love because they're very quick to the point. I just imagine her like rushing around, like just jotting things and sending it off to us, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many missives did Carol shoot out in, in the same 
like 10 minute period that she emailed us. She was probably like contacted everybody in her life and then was like, all right, (laughs) on to the next thing. She was like yelling at her assistant over her headset. She was (sighs) like, and (laughs) I'm sure she's just like the nicest, chillest woman. And we're just like really assigning some insane properties towards her. But I dictate this. This is going to learning the tropes podcast. Are you ready? Here's an amazing (laughs) hot guy librarian romance. Hearts on hold by Cherish Reed. I think you'll love it. Read it back. Read it back. It's nice and to the point. I like what you I know. know. I like I like Carol. Um, yeah, so let's judge the cover. So this cover immediately evoked for me kind of life, lifetime vibes. Lifetime I or agree. Hallmark vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing. It's It made me think of fall in like a really good way. Mm-hmm. because it seemed autumnal or at least kind of chilly because he has a jacket on, he's rocking the man bun, and she has a wool hat or some sort of fiber, you know, warm hat. And so she is, they're like about to kiss, which, you know, what we learned from Sarah McLean, it looks weird when you show a kiss on a cover. Mm-hmm. But to show the prelude to a kiss or the aftermath of a kiss is the perfect way to do it. And I think this is really good because they're looking very good eye contact. It's a very loving look yeah. that they're giving each other. What did you think of this cover? I thought it was a great cover. It also, I mean, it looks like they're at a university or some sort of higher learning situation. Um, I pictured... Uh, I pictured John hotter than the guy in this cover. No offense to the model, who I'm sure is a very nice man. But for like, I really picture John as a looker. And I feel like this guy on the cover, I don't know. But it's always in your mind, people look different. Uh, But no, I really think it's a great cover. And I think it definitely screams romance. And I think it also screams, you know, it's a really good representation of what you're going to get in the book, I think. I will agree with you that the way that I imagined John is also different than this gentleman on the cover because John is referred to as a Viking in the book. Mm -hmm. And this guy looks like he plays in an ultimate Frisbee league. (laughs) Yeah. Which isn't bad. It's a legitimate sport. I think it's going to be in the Olympics. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check on that. But that's when we need it. Will we ever get big enough where we have a fact checker, kind of like an assistant, where we can, like, while we're talking, they can look that up? I'm always shocked by, because I'm in, like, podcast, like, groups and stuff, pay attention to it, like, the littlest podcasts that ask for interns. So, like, I guess we could, too. Because it is strange when people think that they start needing help. Yeah. But what what do you mean? Like somebody would just be sitting on the line and like they'd hear us and then they would just start Googling and they'd cut in and be like, um, well, actually. Yeah. And they would be like, they'd be like, no, it's not an Olympic sport. And then I'd be like, it was a joke, huh? <laughs> so already you're we're having difficulties with our fact checker. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's hard to get good help, I guess. I imagine this, this guy not being reliable enough for my taste. 
which is weird because we're fantasizing this and I'm already being like, oh, I got to deal with this guy. So I'm going to, it's like he's, it's like it, it, we didn't even have anybody. I know. Well, I love in this podcast how we get little glimpses into your psyche. Yes. Little slices. <laughs> Because you're like, oh, in this fantasy, I have one employee and he really isn't living up to what I hope he would be. (laughs) I have to do everything myself. (laughs) Um, What was this book about? So this book is about Dr. Victoria Reese, who's a professor. And she is a professor at Pembroke. Correct? And she is trying to get... Okay, so what was she trying to get? She was trying to get a program up and running, right? Mm-hmm. And she needed help from a librarian. And she hooks up with, you know, explicitly and non-explicitly, John, who is a librarian, who pretty much immediately is like, let's have an affair, because wasn't that their first meeting in the stacks? And he's just mm-hmm. like, we should just do it. Well, anyway, so they start having an affair. It, it you know, it creates complications. The other thing is, so one of his first emails to her is about a book that she did not return to the library that has racked up $27 worth of fines or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot because I think most library fines are a dime a day or 25 cents a day or something. So that is a long time. But it's a book called For the for the Duke's Convenience. And they're kind of going back and forth about book, that book the whole time. John is taking care of his sister's little girl, Becca. Because his sister is in Sweden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doing city planning or something architecture architecture right becca it becomes a character john's having trouble taking care of a a young girl because he's kind of he's kind of a slacker i mean he's definitely messy but victoria's uptight and john is a slacker and it's them trying to kind of get uh together and make it work that was pretty much all over the place yeah, it was but, as good, I think. It's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So what I liked about this book or what I thought was really interesting is how the author, how Cherish Reed really took old school um, like romance novel tropes or beats and sort of overlaid them onto a modern story. So the story of For the Duke's Convenience is they talk about this book throughout it. It's not like Bromance Book Club where you see actually like you are reading passages of the book. You just sort of hear it basically through John's downloading of it and, and reading it to sort of get to know um, Victoria a little bit better. Um, but it's a story of sort of like a blue stocking and a rake. And, you know, we've all read those books a few times. Um And so while John isn't necessarily a rake in that like a rake kind of like nowadays would be kind of like a male like sleeping around a lot, like a little Lothario. He is certainly not that, but he's more like laid back and suave and really cool. And everyone kind of like really falls in love with him when they meet him. And Victoria is very uptight and comes from a military family, comes from like a very demanding mother. 
and has to have had everything in her life planned out to the minute um, just so that she could have a sense of control, I think, coming from the, the family that she came from. And then also entering into academia as a black woman. Um, and I think not only just entering into any academia, but entering into what seems like a pretty like stuffy, uptight, elitist university. Her trying to make her mark, make sure that she doesn't have burnout, you know, make sure that she still is able to contribute to her students the way that she wants to contribute. There's just a lot of pressure on her and a lot of pressure that she puts on herself. Um, so a lot of the story of the book is kind of them like rubbing off on each other, like her loosening up a little bit, John sort of tightening up a little bit, like learning a little bit to keep things more organized or to um, sort of think longer term about things. Um, but I thought that was a really well done aspect of this book. So he is 38 and she is 32. Yeah. Or, or like 34. Uh, yeah. Early thirties. When John said he was 38, I was like, this dude is so old. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I am that age. Uh, which was a weird reaction because I guess we don't read a lot of books with protagonists that are late 30s. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of the, like, did some of the historicals have some older gentleman? But I, I, I always, I just don't feel like they're. I feel like they're always early to mid thirties, and the women are in their twenties. Yeah, like early twenties. Yeah, I, it's rare that we read a couple in which they are both in their like, let's say, like mid to late thirties. They're career people. Like they have mm-hmm. their careers. Not necessarily where they want them 100%, because Victoria is, she loves what she does, but she doesn't love all the bullshit red tape she has to deal with. But they're working people. They, it's not a struggle for them to be finding a career or finding their way in that aspect of their life, which is interesting to me because most of the protagonists we have are. I guess I don't want to say striving, but the career thing is like a striving point. And this is more I'm established and I want to do more. But the day to day is just such a hassle. I I think that was what was different about this book is that we we sit in on some meetings (laughs) for her, like excruciating. And for me, Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, this would suck. (laughs) I don't want to be in meetings like this, you know? Right. What do you think? Because this was brought up in our rec. And I guess this must be a hot debate point. What do you think of John looking up her late book? Is that, I mean, that is a breach of confidence, a breach of, he should not be allowed to do that. I have to say, I came around to John by the end of the book but I didn't love him at the beginning because he I felt like Victoria, you know, whatever, she's uptight. She is proposing this like four week internship to sort of 
get uh, allow you know students who aren't able to get really fancy internships to still be able to have internships to have real world experience for when they graduate it's like a four-week program she takes it very seriously and I feel like John just off the bat was like he was attracted to her immediately and then was sort of like being weird with sending her like flirty emails that I guess like obviously she ended up responding to but I feel at the beginning she was like really put off by it and it made me uncomfortable too because I was like I don't want her to be like I don't want her to be feeling uncomfortable in a work situation and I I don't want her to get in trouble yeah and I think it's like she it's like I understand she felt like she had a lot to prove there's a lot of scenes with just like the older like professors, tenured professors and how horrible they are to deal with, which is like, I don't doubt that must be awful. But the, so then sort of when the next character we meet is like not also not respecting her as a professional, it doesn't endear me to him to begin with because I'm like, no, I want you to treat her like a professional. She's trying to do something. And so then when he also like looks up the book and starts teasing her about it, I'm like, one, I don't love the shaming for what people read. But I also, yeah, I think it was like a breach of privacy. I didn't love it. Listen, I did come around to John, but at the beginning, there was a couple of flat red flags that I was like, I was not particularly enjoying. Even his office was a pigsty, mm-hmm. which... I just, how is he able to work in this situation? And then he's late to pick up his niece and that's not cool. I felt that I was always the last kid to be picked up from school by like a significant amount of time. So whenever I read a book or I see a show or something about like a kid being forgotten at school and I'm like story of my life, I know exactly what it's like to just sit there with your book bag, bored out of your mind, sitting on the cold stone Having yeah. to tell that last remaining teacher, no, they're coming. They'll be here I soon. Promise. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's going to, she just works close. She'll be right here. <laughs> <laughs> then your mom comes uh, swerving yeah. in, stinking like gin. <laughs> no, no my mom was not. <laughs> my mom literally doesn't drink, which I, which is like funny because she's also the last person at every party. So she just, like, loves to narc. Like, she likes the gossip of, like, being around people who are drinking, but she doesn't want to drink herself. Well, because they open up. They say stuff that they wouldn't normally say. And when everybody's drunk, that information just goes Mm -hmm. out of your head like a sieve. When you're the one not drunk person, you remember all the drunk stuff. What's said, what's done, who went into the bathroom with who. Oh, yeah. Who puked first. Who was stealing? What, who was stealing knickknacks? All that stuff that happens at <laughs> that's parties. That's why mom's move at every wedding. She basically through like the second dance, she'll stay in her formal wear. Then all of a sudden, you turn around, she's in chinos with a like a light sweater, and she's here to party for the next five hours. She's in her comfy clothes. She does. She immediately puts on comfy clothes and she gets ready to listen to some hot goss. What What did we think of Becca? Becca is his niece. I felt for Becca, it's hard because they sort of allude to the fact that like Becca's father is like maybe not the best and her mother goes to Sweden for three months to study like architecture, which 
obviously women need to do what they need to do to feel fulfilled like professionally and I don't ever want to like come down on anyone who makes those hard decisions and I think that that definitely was a difficult decision and it does seem like Jesse was a very good mother but it is also like 12 is a really hard age to be alone even if it is with like a fun uncle um and she like gets her period while she's like with her uncle and her uncle's like best friend and I was just like, oh, that kind of stinks. Um, her as a character just seemed really cool. I like that she started a feminist collective and started listening to Alanis Morissette and ended up becoming best friends with her bullies after she hit one in the face, which was great, too. Sometimes you need to. I don't condone violence. Did she but, hit her in the face? I think she didn't. She just shove her. Victoria is the one back in the day who oh, punched yeah. a girl in the face. And she mm-hmm. wasn't proud of it, but she wasn't not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> it is Victoria one of those knows things. how to like hold her own. Like Victoria also like beat like was like into mixed martial arts. Yes, she was beating the shit out of that bag. Yeah, she's tough. She, she was listening to Rage Against the Machine, Maggie's Farm, a Bob Dylan cover, cover of a Bob Dylan mm-hmm. song. And she just went to town on a heavy bag with John holding it, which was cool. So it's funny that the kids in this are so obsessed with 90s. When I was reading that, I, I, was, I was thinking, would they really be into that sort of music? But then I thought, back in the 90s, in high school, I was listening to... Led Zeppelin and Leonard Skinnerd and Steve mm-hmm. Miller band and they're all that's the same span of time from the 90s to the 70s. Right. So it makes total sense that all these kids would be looking 30 years back. That's all right, it's 30 not 20. Okay. Well, I mean still. <laughs> I was listening to 60s music too. I was listening to I was listening to Jimi Hendrix. He's 60s. Yeah. Well, I feel like the the 90s fashion is all back, too, which I'm just like, oh, God, we looked so truly hideous in the 90s. You know, as long as it stays in the 90s, if it starts creeping into early 2000s, that's when we like if people are going to start dressing like Fred Durst and and the hip, the low hip jeans. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those if were the those, worst, the low rise jeans. If those come back, I'm 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 pretty much out. <laughs> You're just gonna shuffle off this mortal coil if you see some low rise jeans. I'm gonna live in a cabin. I'm gonna live in I a cabin like... for for <laughs> at least till the next nostalgia cycle comes. Yeah. And uh and then peek my little head out. I feel like the 90s, it's like the early 90s, which is like reality bites, like flannel, denim. I, I'm i into that look still. I'm fine with it. But I think it's like the late 90s, early 2000 is when it was all like everyone all of a sudden was wearing like plastic and like iridescent things and like the high, high platforms, butterfly clips, glitter. Listen, I still rock glitter. But yeah, those low rise jeans, I feel like gave everyone a complex of like, thinking they had a really long butt crack because like <laughs> yeah. who could wear that you had to have a like genetically you had to have the tiniest of butt cracks in order to wear those tiny jeans yeah it was it, it was not a good 
look it was a maybe a good look for 0.09 percentage of the population right and, and even that it was somebody in a movie or in a magazine where they could airbrush a lot of stuff otherwise and they were never sitting down yes they were never those aren't jeans you sit down in no your entire ass is out if you sit down that's just that's just the way physics works like it's insane frosted tips Mm-hmm. although maybe i'll do frosted tips because i oh i gotta now i won't i i so i went through all a lot of my photos i had actual physical photos that were just all in like a plastic bag and i was getting ready to move a bunch of my stuff and so i got this the cheapest photo album i could find on amazon and went through and put all them in order and there's a lot of baby photos but there's a few high school photos and i had the dirtiest looking goatee like late 90s early 2000 goatee and i couldn't I I couldn't believe that I thought that that looked cool. Yeah, the goatee was disgusting. I'll send. I'm not gonna post it because we won't post it on the Instagram or whatever. You're just telling me that because you know I would. People well, are gonna well, be emailing like, just let me see the picture of his gross goatee, and I well, won't you know say what? No. Maybe if if it's donation based, if we get to a certain point of <laughs> donation to a good cause. Yeah, we'll do that. If we that. can get our listeners to donate a hundred bucks to, uh, like a like bail bonds, yeah, then, then then you get to see my dirty goatee on the Instagram page. <laughs> so baby Clayton, yeah. So I think that so sounds fair. Email us, send us photos of your donations, and if we get to a hundred bucks, you get to see my dirty goatee, <laughs> of which I'm ashamed of. But I'll send you a photo. I, I have. I send. No, it. I, I get think it I, for free. Yeah, I, you get it for I've free. I've donated quite a bit to to different bail stuff this these past few weeks, so I would earned it. Yeah, co-hosts get get it for free. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that takes us back to the the Becca. kids. Yeah, Becca, who yeah was having a go of it. She's also she's in this. She's in a predominantly white school. She gets in trouble for fighting, and the principal, who's also a snooty snoot, uses some coded language mm-hmm. to try and make it seem like Becca is aggressive when she was really just a kid sticking up for them for herself. And Victoria is in this in this meeting with John, and John's kind of out of his depth, and Victoria has been there before obviously because she punched someone in the face before and i think was raised in a similar situation she went to a similar school where she was around a lot of snooty people and she takes it to this principal mm-hmm. not in like a shitty way i know what you're doing right like you might be able to say that shit to john but you you can't say that to me because i've heard it all before and yeah. It's a situation that she's in a lot where she has to say, okay, well, do I have to be the person to do this? All right, well, I'll do it, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. a difficult situation to be in. 
so you can see why she's like wound tight well and i think it also sort of shows that how much she advocates for becca and how much she advocates for her students and how much she cares about her students and doing this library program and all the other things that she does and isn't able to advocate for herself in the same way ever because it's whether it's with her mother who's like very domineering and she doesn't feel like she can ever talk back to her or it's with you know in whatever situation and kind of with john at the beginning where like she is made a little bit uncomfortable by him she doesn't feel like she can sort of let herself go and fully be in a relationship with him and instead has to she so she basically sits down and tells him that she wants a sordid affair with him after they make out hardcore in the library on the first night that she's like working there which i did think was really hot and i did like how early sex happened in this book it happened right quick and so she basically sits down and is like i want to have a sordid affair for four weeks that's kind of all i want here's a schedule of when we can meet for our trysts like are you in or are you out which was like a little bizarre but i liked it because it was such a old school romance trope of like the sex contract we're only gonna do it this time to get it out of our system uh you know which is always such uh bullshit but it's so much fun to read yeah they always want more both both parties in these books always want more can you imagine if there's a romance and they're like well we wrapped that up in two weeks really got it out of our system is shake hands and leave burn the place down (laughs) burn the place down yeah what is this bullshit yeah i'd be you'd be so upset yeah and this also lasts like one week um and they are sort of telling each other that they love each other pretty quickly which is also very sweet but um yeah to, to see victoria be able to loosen up and sort of advocate herself in that way you know whether it is like pushing back against john when he does things that frustrate her or ultimately being able to do it with her parents Hey everyone, it's Becky Feldman here, and I am too stupid to live. And do you want to hear something crazy? I also host a comedy podcast called Too Stupid to Live. How did that happen? I have no idea. Um, anyway, on Too Stupid to Live, I am joined by some hilarious guests where we review romance novels $5 and under. And we have covered the gamut of romantic fiction, from historical romances to dinosaur erotica, which, you know what, now that that I think about it, I think that's like also a historical romance. Um, Anyway, each episode, we go on this engaging journey. Um, I've had Sarah McLean, the fabulous author, talking about the power of romance to Nick Weiger of the Doughboys podcast, reading a sexy excerpt in the voice of Elizabeth Holmes. That one still gives me very sexy nightmares, but I just can't get enough. Um, So TSTL puts out two episodes a month, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. There's there's a a moment in this, too. Not a moment, but John and her go to a... Because this happens around Halloween. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a, a haunted house sort of zombie thing. And he freaks out during it. <laughs> and he says that he's going to freak out during it. And then he does. Which is, you've never gone with us to when we do our Haunted House Pie Day, have you? No. I don't enjoy those, so no. 
you don't like them because they're scary or they're not scary so they're pointless to you i think it's the more the latter you don't get you don't get the the eye you don't get the the draw of them no and i get it for like little kids and stuff and like obviously i would go to those when i was like younger but yeah as an adult i just don't see the point yeah and this is not to i'm gonna kind of paraphrase producer patty in this is that those haunted houses usually have teenagers as the people dressing up as you know zombies and chainsaw massacres and stuff like that and teenagers are scary enough they should just be teenagers walking around (laughs) and you know that they're judging you this is a this is a producer Patty bit, so he will do it better than me. I won't do it justice, but but that was. But it is of, true. It's like the scariest haunted house could just be you having to walk down a high school corridor with actual teenagers commenting on you as you go past. Oh, the the, the yeah, the scariest haunted house would be that or a mall. Uh huh. And you're walking through the mall as an adult, and it's all just a bunch of teenagers, and they're just all throwing throwing insults at you because oh, yeah. a teenager Ooh, can cut me. deep right that mm-hmm. that's something that you you could see that being scary yes yeah i wouldn't i don't think emotionally i'd be able to handle that what do we think of john i mean he's fine i, I he he's ref, he refers to his friend and himself kind of as dude bros Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of dude bros. But they are really sensitive. Well, he also has tattoos and a man bun, which I feel like is tough for you. As someone man bun's fun. I used bun. to have a man bun. Yeah, you did. You rocked a man bun for a long time. But tattoos, no. Yeah. I do like a tattoo. He sounded very attractive to me. And for as much as he talks about being a dude bro and his friend like owns a gym and all this stuff, like... They are very, he is very like sweet and empathetic to Becca and Victoria, other than sort of like the bumps at the beginning. But I feel like after that, he really does give Victoria the space that she needs to sort of figure stuff out. Um, And with Becca, it's like he is a really sweet uncle and like surrogate father to her in a way that it's like, if you tell me someone's a dude, bro, I'm like, just, it's not something I'm going to expect from them. Mm Mm-hmm. As somebody who is perpetually late, I get it, but it is, it, it, I would hope that I wouldn't be late to pick up a loved one. Unless, it, especially a child. Because if you're late picking up somebody that's an adult, it's, a, it's, not, as, it's not cool, but it's not like you're leaving a kid there and having the experience like you would have all the time like every day mm-hmm. when your mom would neglect you and show up hours <laughs> well, late well not just just not my mother and my father too neither okay. of my parents were particularly <laughs> quick to come and get us anytime they left us like i do feel like it's such 80s parenting that i always had in the back of my mind like they will leave me like i remember i would be in the grocery store and my mom would be like oh i forgot bread can you go get the bread and i remember thinking like i got to do this quick <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. will drive off if i'm too slow with this bread well then they would pick you up 
an hour late. Because mm-hmm. at first I thought you were going to stick up for your mom, but then you threw your dad under the bus as well, which I, I appreciate. <laughs> and then they'd be like, okay, lie down in the back of the pickup and try not to fly out. And you'd just be holding, just hold trying, to, trying to find uh, a handhold and just like rattling down a dirt road. I was allowed to ride inside of my parents' vehicles once they did pick me up. Well, that's good. That's one good thing that they did. Um, what do we yeah. think of the sex? I thought the sex was amazing. Such good sex. And what I love, too, is this is like the second hot dude librarian that we've read. Especially it's like such catnip and it's like so romance novel over the top. I just loved it that he's like a children's literature. So like half of his job is also just like reading kids books. And he's so amazing with kids, too. The whole scene where he's reading to them and he's talking about how animals are magic and you have to take care of your animals and um, all this stuff. It, it was really so incredibly sweet to read and just um, amazing. But he is insanely good at sex for the jump. Loved it. Well, that the children reading thing is funny because it is a one, two punch of good with kids cares about animals. Mm-hmm. That's like a one, two punch for good dude. Right. And yeah, I thought it was good too. I think, you know, I've talked about this before in other episodes. Like, I get why the library sex is hot, but, you know, there's people studying, there's people there, you know, it's no place. I knew that wasn't going to be your thing. You do not, you respect a library too much to have sex in it. I, I do. And I know that's part of the draw. Like, for a lot right. of people, that's part of the draw where it is a, a sacred place and there's a there's there's a sort of, ooh, titillation from that. Right. But for me, the library is kind of a church. Mm-hmm. And bookstores as well. And you should put your Kindle away if you're going to have sex with somebody. <laughs> Just kind of put it, put it in a drawer. To make sure it's off. D- make yeah. sure it's off, definitely. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about I was dating this girl and she had a Furby in her room. And this was, you know, probably 10 years ago. And she was an adult. We were adults, obviously, but she had like a Furby from when she was a kid that she had brought to the city with her. And we were about to, you know. And I went over and I closed the Furby's eyes as a joke because I was like, ugh. A funny guy. And then we woke up the next morning. Wouldn't you know, that Furby's eyes were wide open. That's terrible. I would throw that thing out the window. It learned a few <laughs> things the night before. <laughs> That's so disgusting. You would never have sex in public. I have had sex in public. <gasps> Where? I think we've talked about this before. Oh. Okay. But it's okay. I mean, there's maybe new listeners who who want to know. And mm-hmm. of course, beach. Oh, uh, yeah. Parks. Cars. A bathroom. I, there's got to be other places. But never um, the library. What about yourself? No. I think a car is it. Yeah. Um, is a car public? 
I don't, I wouldn't have thought so, but then you mentioned it. So I decided to also mention it. So I would sound hip. Um, it they was also in have the, sex. one of the, it was in one of the cars that they give away to the Super Bowl MVP during, mm. during the ceremony at the end. The, I, I was in that with somebody. That's quite public then. That counts for sure. It was one of Jennifer Lopez's backup dancers. Ooh, way to go, Clayton. I didn't read it in yet. Yeah. Are you telling the truth? No. <laughs> telling <laughs> the truth? No. Of course not. <laughs> I don't know what you were like in your 20s. Maybe you <laughs> had an insane amount of game. All right. How would that I guess not that doesn't... be the first story I ever told you and anyone I knew? <laughs> How psychotic Sometimes would that people's... be if that if that yeah. was a story that I had in my back pocket and we'd spent so much time together and I've told you so many boring stories <laughs> that I never tried to pull that ace out and you're be like, now she'll think I'm cool. exact right moment. Yeah, you're like, I wanted us to be almost 100 episodes into a podcast we share and then just casually drop it just to seem like the coolest dude in the world. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gullible and that's not news. Um, But I think, yeah, they also have sex at a greenhouse, which is incredibly sexy. The first time they have sex. Mm, That's right. Yeah. He's so good at it. Um, He's 38. So he should be. Yes. Because he's no 26 year old. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a guy who pays attention to people. Yeah, he has. He's a lot of like women in his life. I think he's used to like listening to and responding to women. So. So here's the question, though. Would you fuck them? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Uh, Her, but not him. That's crazy. Okay. Tattoos. She sounds, yeah. Oh, He's messy. There's just not anything about him in my mind that is unique enough for for me to be like yes all right well for me he's amazing at sex and very responsive and down to do it by appointment so i'd say yes okay um her she sound yeah her body sounded amazing she seemed really cool when she like was able to let go so i would say yes for sure shall we do goodreads lists yes um, not on many lists, but also this only came out in February of 2020. So has been around that long. Um, it was on a lot of books of most anticipated romances. Um, and it is on radical romance. That's the first list. Okay. Yeah. Then AOC or WOC new romance 2020. Author of color, woman mm-hmm. of color. There we go. I agree. <laughs> you know, I love to uh, di- dissect them. I love to uh, yeah. figure out what they mean. Um, and then opposites attract. Yes. Opposites attract one. Yes. Opposites attract one. There are I'm more looking than at one the list. For the first time, I'm looking at the list. I know you, I have been making show notes for every episode for the past, however many, and this is the first time that I feel like you're paying attention. 
Opposites attract one. It's way easier to figure out the stuff when I'm actually looking Mm -hmm. at it. Yeah, it makes sense. So that's it. So not many lists. I'm sure it'll end up on a lot more. I'm sure it's going to end up on a sexy librarian list. I'm sure it's going to end up on a hot professor list. I'm sure it's going to end up on all kinds of lists. But Clayton, what are your tropes? Academic heroine. Okay. Librarian hero. Interracial relationship. Sex pact affair, like rules mm-hmm. with an affair, affair rules. Hero with a man bun. Bad mom. Bad boss. Two moms. Mm -hmm. Because John has two moms. Nice dad. Mm -hmm. And those are my tropes. That's good. Aaron, what are your tropes? Mine are, I didn't memorize mine. So librarian hero academic heroine professor heroine a sex pact a sex schedule because she schedules out when they're going to have sex um accidentally seeing the heroine in a sexy dress i love that scene where they've sort of ended on a weird note and then they're walking down the street and um becca looks into a store and so does John and sees um, Victoria in like a super sexy dress, which is not the way that she normally dresses. And she like fills it out really well. And he's like kind of flabbergasted. And then he walks in and she talks about how sexy he looks in his gray sweatpants, which, you know, sweatpants are sexy. I like that scene. I thought that was funny of each of them seeing the other one in like a different light accidentally. And I always like when those scenes happen. Uh, Blue stocking rake. A single dad slash good uncle, uh, a librarian who loves giving head. Uh, The costume party where all is revealed. So sort of at the end, there's a costume party for the library and they sort of, uh, they profess their love to each other uh, dressed in character, which I like. Conscientiously entering into an affair. So they like sort of talk about it before they do it, which I think is funny. Uh, Becoming exhausted for fighting with old white men in order to do your job. Black heroine, Viking hero, tattooed hero. Those are my tropes. Nice. Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, we were weirdly talking earlier about early to mid-2000s fashion, late-90s fashion, and that ties directly into my swoon, which is there is an app on your computer, which you can download, which is called Pluto TV. Have you heard of Pluto TV? No. Okay. So it's streaming live TV and there's different channels that are broken down, say there's a there's a channel specifically for MTV challenges, which I've become obsessed with. <laughs> watching all of them you, and they just food pl- already about challenges but 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 here's the other thing they mm-hmm. also have because like amc has a channel ifc has a channel then there's all these like weird channels but mtv has a bunch of channels and one of the channels is called mtv dating and the other night i was up till 3 a.m watching reruns of a little show called next do you remember ah. next yeah, of course. So 
the early 2000s, I think, are the seller for culture. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, there's things that I love about it, but the fashion, like I said, is just grotesque to me. And I lived through it, so it's not like... I mean, I was wearing some of that stuff. This show is so bad, and the people on it are so... It's before reality. Everybody became a TikTok star or an Instagram person where you still really didn't know how to be on camera. And they would give mm-hmm. these people lines and they just didn't know how to land a joke. And the interactions were super awkward. And mm-hmm. so they have that and then they have Date Your Parents. Remember that show? No. It's I think it was called something like Date Your Parents where you would have to go and and spend time with the parent of the person on the show that you were maybe going to date. And if the parents liked you, you get to go on the date with the kid. Oh. All this like uber trashy stuff. So if you just want to become brain dead, you (laughs) should go to Pluto TV. They don't take your card information or anything like that. You can just give them your email address. And it's like having cable. Mm-hmm. And there's commercials, which kind of stinks. And they're all the same commercial. It's all commercials for lawyers that are doing class action lawsuits for mm-hmm. various products. And there's one commercial, which is a class action lawsuit against the Catholic Church. Okay, listen, it's not had making its time. That yeah, but that's great. I watch those commercials probably over 50 times because I watched like 10 episodes of next but anyway pluto tv go just figure it out it's it's fun i might get bored of it before uh the next episode and i'll let everybody know but it's been fun because you can just switch around there's an american gladiators channel that was the other thing Mm. old school american gladiators 24 7 i mean it's a dream it's a dream come true (laughs) so pluto tv look it up that is my spoon Aaron, what are you swooning about? It's hard. There's obviously there's so much going on in the world and there's a lot to be paying attention to. Um, and that I have been different, like, you know, Instagram accounts or Twitter, just trying to stay informed and, and learning about new things the first time you hear them. Um, but something that I've been doing for the past five weeks is something called The Artist Way. Mm. It's based on a book by Julia Cameron. Um, the big thing from an artist way that people might have heard of is morning pages. You're supposed to write three pages every morning of like freehand. Um, and then every week is a different sort of like task. And it's about getting unblocked as an artist. Um, and it's been really great for me because there's a lot of excavation that has to happen. Um, I'm only on week four also because I'm doing with a group of people, um, and they're all located in LA and it seems like we end up for every week we take two weeks just because everyone's doing different things and and can't get their acts together myself included um but it is interesting because I feel it's just a good thing to do whether you are a creative yourself um as far as it, it, it really has you every week think about why you do certain things why you have certain ways of thinking um why you don't do thing who are the 
the uh, what are the things that people have said to you that kind of have become your inner monologue and all these different things. So um, I would suggest to anyone who is maybe feeling blocked creatively or just wants to try something different um, is to do the artist way. Nice. Well, Erin, where can people find us? So you can always email us like Andrew and Carol did at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Any recommendations, um, any comments, anything you're thinking about, just let us know. We're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. And then we have a Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop, um, which is where we sort of like discuss, uh, you know, things that we bring up in the episodes. And um, we try to get everybody info there first before sort of everyone else finds it. Um, so so come join us there. There's some fun discussions. We really enjoy it. Next episode, we are reading The uh, Prince of Broadway by Joanna Shoup. Um, so that is a great uh, book. Also, the third book of the trilogy comes out the week after we that episode comes out. So it's a great time to sort of start reading that trilogy because you'll get the third one pretty quick. Um, and doesn't this book have a character by the name of Clayton. He does. And the similarities are chilling. Chilling? (laughs) You know how many times I've heard that? (laughs) You know, you look like my cousin. It's chilling. (laughs) Um, No, well, I'm really excited for you to read uh, Clayton, the character, because I think you'll really like him. And I have a good feeling... I don't want to oversell it again. I keep saying that and then saying these, like making these grand statements, but like, I do think you're going to fall in love with Florence. I'll be surprised if you don't. I hope I do. Big, big, uh, big statements, but we'll see how it pans out for next week. So if you haven't read Prince of Broadway yet, go ahead, um, get it at your local library, buy it from an independent bookstore. You know how to do it. Um, and then finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, bye, everybody. Bye, stay safe.